Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. I have a couple of important topics to cover this morning, and as always, I'm eager for your calls and thoughts at 877-337-6666. Now, you're going to be hearing a lot about Title IX over the next couple of weeks. Title IX was passed into federal law on June 23rd in 1972, some 50 years ago. Now look, I, I know we discussed, we discussed so many worrisome issues and concerns when it comes to youth and amateur sports on the show, but the truth is I can't say enough good things about Title IX and how it leveled the playing field in sports for all competitors, regardless of their being male or female. And I also realize that, that many of you can't even recall a time in this country when women and girls didn't compete in high school or college sports. I mean, that is, every kid over the last half century, regardless of being a boy or a girl, has been able to pursue their dreams to go out and compete in athletics, in school. And the facilities, the fields, scheduling, travel accommodations, officiating, coaching, and so on have all been totally equal. Totally equal as mandated by the federal government. And you know what? That law, Title IX, well, it's, it was one of the greatest steps forward ever taken in this country for girls and women. Now, I got to tell you, back in the old days, the philosophy in this country was that girls could play sports just as a kind of social interaction and, and recreation. It was never about competing. And the number of sports that were offered to girls in high school before 1972, they were extremely limited. I, I, I can vaguely recall there was a kind of basketball where the girls were, were not supposed to exhaust themselves bringing the ball up court. I know there was cheerleading, maybe field hockey or tennis, but the point is that it was the girls' sports before 1972 was really sort of an afterthought. It was about, again, recreation, not about full-bore competition. The point is, it was clear that back in the day, boys' sports were the dominant focus. Let me put this in perspective. Prior to 1972, prior to Title IX, there were fewer than 300,000 girls who participated in high school sports nationwide. That comes from the, the National Federation of High Schools. 
Today, in contrast, it's estimated that more than 3.4 million girls compete in high school sports. And these days, girls represent 43% of all high school athletes. So clearly, things have changed and changed for the better. And, okay, how about the boys? Well, these days, over the last 50 years, all the boys have grown up recognizing and accepting that their female classmates all have hopes and dreams of playing and competing in sports just as they do. Maybe even getting a scholarship to play in college someday or perhaps even turn pro. My overall point is this. If you're a mom or a dad who was blessed with an athletic daughter, well, just take a moment and be grateful that your daughter was born when Title IX was in effect so that she can go out and compete in sports with her friends and learn all those vital life lessons about team play, sportsmanship, about overcoming adversity, about experiencing winning, and yes, experiencing losing, and of course, just having fun. Because that's, that is one of the great sort of ripple effects of Title IX. You know, my wife Trish and I have a son, John, and we have two daughters, Alyssa and Samantha. And for the life of me, I, I would never be able to understand if my girls hadn't been allowed to play sports in a competitive way. That would have been a big hole in my life, but an even bigger hole in their lives because of all the wonderful things that sports affords our kids. In any event, as we get closer to the 50th anniversary this month of Title IX, please give this some thought. Your daughter loves playing soccer or volleyball or ice hockey, softball, whatever sport may be. Just remember, if it weren't for Title IX, your daughter's athletic pursuits would be extremely limited in terms of their playing in school. In fact, let me, let me, let me tell you a personal story regarding Title IX, which basically occurred and happened to my youngest daughter, Samantha. And folks, again, we'll take your calls at 877-337-6666, because I bet you you have stories to relate as well. Sam was one of those rare kids who was a natural-born athlete. She was fast, competitive, had great eye-hand coordination. And from the time she was introduced to soccer in elementary school, playing in ASO, I mean, it was clear that she was a dominant player in soccer. She played travel soccer right through elementary, right through middle school, and quite frankly, she was a superb player. She also played and starred in AAU basketball as well, and she played Little League Baseball. She was one of the league's premier players in the league, which quite frankly was pretty much an all-boys league, but she played as a girl, and she was great. Right up in time, she played right through the age of 12. She also loved playing lacrosse which her older sister, Alyssa, played in high school. But then, as Samantha reached high school in ninth grade, <clears throat> suddenly she was confronted, unfairly, to have to make a difficult decision by the local school district where we live. At Byram Hills High School, for some inexplicable reason, girls' soccer was still being played in the spring season boys soccer was played in the fall. And that meant for Sam, she had to decide on whether she wanted to play soccer in the spring or play lacrosse. She couldn't play both sports in the same season. Now, 
Let me put this in perspective. As you know, soccer is traditionally played as a fall sport in school. But at Byram Hills, it was offered for girls only in the spring. Now, again, this was happening around 2003. Title IX had gone into effect, had become the law of the land some 30 years earlier. And it made it very clear that boys and girls high school sports were to be equal in all regards. And that included playing soccer in the fall season for both the boys and the girls. After all, fall soccer is when all the playoffs and state championships are held. But back then in New York State, and and I got to tell you, I still find this hard to believe, there remained a handful of school districts that kept playing girls soccer in the spring. Now, as I recall, there was something like 710, uh, give or take a few, 700 or so public school districts in all of New York State. And the vast majority had made the switch early on and after Title IX went into effect and made girls' soccer a fall sport, just like the boys. But for some reason, there were still about 25 schools in the state that were still playing girls' soccer in the spring of 2003. As a result, for those girls, there were no playoffs in the spring. After all, there were so few teams playing in the spring soccer season, and after all, the, 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 the official playoffs of the states were done in the fall. In fact, Sam, Samantha was telling me just the other day that when the girls on the Byron Hill soccer team, which had a really good soccer program, they always felt deflated when their spring season ended because, well, there were no playoffs. The girls, in fact, that was it. Their season was, in fact, done. In contrast, all the boys' soccer programs in New York State played in the fall and, as such, had the hope to progress uh, into the playoffs, state championships. And for most of the girls' teams in the state, that was also the case. But it wasn't true for a handful of public high schools where they had the girls still playing soccer in the spring. In fact, it wasn't until a federal lawsuit was pursued in 2003 by some soccer parents over at Pelham High School and Mamernick High School, which also played girls' soccer in the spring. So... These parents were basically saying, wait a minute, this is not right. Why can't our girls, our soccer girls, play in the fall like all the other high schools in the state? Sure enough, they won that case based upon Title IX. And some school districts, uh, you know, felt made the change immediately. I know that uh, Horace Greeley High School in Chappaqua made the switch right away. But others, amazingly and very, very (laughs) discouragingly, like Byram Hills, well, they dragged their feet, saying they needed at least two years to make this transition from girls' soccer in the spring to make it in a fall sport. And among the excuses they offered were was they needed to find more fields for their girls to play soccer in the fall, that it wouldn't be fair to do an immediate transition for those girls who were already juniors and seniors in high school, and so on and so forth. In any event, how did it affect Samantha? Well, again, she was a natural athlete. She was, rise, she was a rising talent in lacrosse, which, of course, is a spring sport. So she had to choose between soccer, still at that time a spring sport at Byram Hills, or playing lacrosse. And she decided, with a broken heart, to go with lacrosse because she still wanted to play soccer. She was deeply disappointed by being forced to make this decision when she was in ninth grade. I mean, she would have loved to have played soccer in the fall. In any event, she ended up playing the girls' volleyball team 
uh, in the fall for three years, but she no longer played soccer, either for Byram Hills or any travel or a club team. Well, sure enough, three years passed. Sam was now a senior, and at long last, girls' soccer was finally being played in the fall at Byram Hills to be in, uh, in, to be in line with Title IX. And Samantha, who still loved soccer, well, she was now eager to try out as a senior, even though the team was, you know, very, very good and very strong. In fact, I recall the head coach, uh, Brian Horn, went up to Samantha before the fall tryouts began, and he very nicely and politely explained to Sam that, quote, you understand that every one of these girls play on an elite club team, and they are all very, very good players. Sam, you really haven't played any soccer in three full years. Basically, the coach, Coach Horn, was telling Sam all this just to, to prepare her and to perhaps soften the blow if he had to cut her. Sam listened, and then she went to work in the tryouts. Long story short, not only did Sam make the team, well, she was one of the very best players on a highly talented squad. Uh, she was a midfielder with great speed, and when the team's all-league goalie went down with an injury for a couple of games, Coach Horn even turned to Samantha to step in as the goalkeeper, and she, she shined there as well. Again, she was just a natural athlete who was a gifted soccer player. Anyhow, the girls' soccer team did great that year. Uh, Byram Hills advanced to the playoffs. Sam won some awards for her outstanding play. And all in all, it was a wonderful and most meaningful and fun experience for her. And again, all this happened between the years 2003-2007. Sam graduated from Byram Hills in 2008. She was eventually going to play lacrosse at Michigan when she fell victim to a a very bad case of Lyme disease. Now, she's fine now, but that that terrible disease laid her low for two years and unfortunately pretty much wiped away her hopes of playing lacrosse at Michigan. In any event, I bring this personal story up just because we should never, ever take Title IX for granted. Remember, this happened to my daughter you know, back in the early 2000s, some 30 years after Title IX had become the law of the land. And yet in a fine school district like Byram Hills, and it's a terrific school district, the administration apparently wasn't paying attention about the importance of a fair and equal playing field for all athletes, including boys and girls. All right. I want to hear some stories from you about Title IX as well and your thoughts, uh, because I do think this is a time to take a moment to reflect on how important this is, because let's face it, if you have a daughter who plays sports, you know how important it is for them to compete and have all these possible opportunities that, again, 50 years ago didn't exist. When I return, we'll talk more about Title IX and its impact. And again, I'd like to hear your own stories about your daughters and this important law. And I also want to talk about the next federal law I'd like to see pushed forward as well. 877-337-6666. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I was just talking about the, the powerful and positive impact that Title IX has had on our kids in sports. And, uh, yeah, I want to take some calls now and get some thoughts about this because, yeah, this is a this was a huge, huge landmark uh, uh, rule law that was passed in this country back in 1972 on June 23rd. And as I said, this is this is just monumental in its impact. And again, if you if you have if you're lucky enough to have a daughter who plays sports, you know, thank you, lucky stars that we have Title IX in place for our schools so that she can compete on an equal and level playing field, just like the boys. 877-337-6666. Let's start our calls this morning. Let's go to Rob, uh, Rob Freed out in Lake Success. Good morning, Rob. You're on the fan. Rick, good morning. Always a pleasure. And I missed you a couple of weeks. Been busy, busy training and racing, but uh, just I missed the shows on uh, specialization. A great, I want to give you a sh- uh, your listening audience a great documentary. It's called In Search of Greatness, and it's uh, about specialization and Pele and Gretzky and the Williams uh, sisters and Jerry Rice. I'll leave it. They're all in there, and they talk about how they um, uh, were, played all sports basically, and mm-hmm. it wasn't about it wasn't about specialization. But this is this is a fascinating subject. A big shout out as well to Eddie Azuman, the greatest. Uh, uh, on, your, on the other end of, of your show over there, doing a great job always. <laughs> yes. And I can't, wait to hear, I can't wait to hear from Jack because going along Title IX, number one, Title IX, I had to do some research on this. And I knew the rule that I always attributed to being about female sports. And it really was not designed for sports, Rick. It, it, and, and, and I had to look it up, so it's not coming no. from personal knowledge. I looked it up, and it said in, in the actual description it was. It prohibits sex-based discrimination Correct. in any school or education program that receives funding from the federal government. So this was really had nothing to do initially with sports, and obviously we think, and it has you know gone into that way. But uh, on well, my let me thought, just, let me just say this, Rob, because you're right. The, the genesis of Title IX was it came back in 1972. This was during a time when the Civil Rights Act was being passed back in the 60s, and there was a tremendous push in this country to get everybody, to finally get everybody on the same level. And as you said, the Title IX had to do with sexual discrimination. Uh, you know, it wasn't so much about sports, but eventually the, the, the Congress people, I think it was Patsy Mink in particular from Hawaii, Correct. who pushed this through and said, let's get it on the, on, the, on the law so that the girls and boys who go to school in terms of playing competitive sports, they're getting the same, same kind of deal. And that's yeah, how it and, came and, together. And, and, and I was watching, like, I couldn't believe I was watching yesterday uh, Texas against Oklahoma, 
and I don't usually flip on women's softball, but I was looking for the golf, and, 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 and I'm looking. I was really impressed with how amazing those girls are. But on a personal level, number one, uh, in my sport, my, my daughter was a, a, a high school swimmer. Uh, she Thankfully, this, this came into being. I mean, they always had swimming back in the day anyway, but that was, that was her sport. But in my sport of track and field, Rick, people don't realize there's a, there's a story going back to 1967. Catherine Switzer, okay, and this is before Title IX. Yes. She signed up for the Boston Marathon, putting down Kay Switzer, and she was actually thrown, attempted to be thrown off the course by the Boston Athletic Association, and she was able to finish the race because the jockey Semple, who ran the race at the time, he tried to throw her off the course, and, and he, she finished the whole race, made a career out of it, and in 1972, when all this became about uh, a local woman named Nina Cusack, who's from Huntington, she won the first Boston Marathon officially back in 72, right, I guess, when Title IX came about. But this, this whole thing in long-distance running, prior to, I guess, all of this started, 800 meters, which is just over just sort of a half a mile, right. was the longest distance women were allowed to run. They, 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 <laughs> thought, they thought it was, it was unhealthy for a woman. It was, it was considered unhealthy. That's why Correct. I said you about the basketball. They had like only certain girls in high school were allowed to bring the ball up court to the mid-stripe line. Then they had to pass the ball to other people in the front court. It was considered to be unhealthy for women, for girls, to exert themselves in terms of competition. This, I know it sounds like science fiction to a lot of our young listeners, but that's exactly what the, men's, the mindset was. And, and, and going forward, I think this, this rule is so important. It, it, for, and you know, now we're getting into the whole thing with the tra- transgender, which is another facet along these lines. But it's thankful for you. Thank you that I'm so glad you, you know, told a personal story. And I'm Look, want to hear some of the other people's personal stories because this is an amazing 50 years. It's, it's an incredible rule that has changed sports and pretty much has changed the American landscape I, uh, going I, forward. I couldn't agree. Hey, uh, Rob, thank you for checking in this morning. Appreciate the, the good thoughts. And, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I'll talk to you again soon. That is uh, Dr. Rob Freed from Lake Success. Let's move on. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Lee in Monroe. Hey, Lee, you're next up on the fan. Hello? Lee, are you there? You're on the air. I'm here. Go ahead, Lee. Okay, hi. Hi, Rick. Yes, Lee, go ahead. Hi. hi. Um, haven't done this before, but oh, I'm a I, I guess. listener. <laughs> You're doing fine. <laughs> go ahead. Um, I did have a question. Um, yeah. A big women's sports fan, daughter, uh, two varsity sports. Um, we're playing golf, you know, every weekend together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have this question. Has anybody looked into this, the fact that the equalization due to Title IX of collegiate sports really is somewhat unfair to men? You know, these schools like Rutgers and Maryland don't have men's tennis. In schools that do have tennis, there yep. are nine women's scholarships and four and a half men. Yep. Uh, Minnesota, which I'm very familiar with, they do not have men's soccer. Um, Wisconsin doesn't play baseball. And through my uh, profession, I'm acquainted with a gentleman who was on the board at, uh, at one of the SEC schools, and he said, you know, football is a different animal. When our team is 9-1, and one, you just call the alumni, and before you ask, they're donating. <laughs> and they don't answer the phone when, it, when the football team is 2-8. and eight. And I just wonder, I mean, it, you know, if you took football out of it, I'm all for equal. I've been to Florida uh, where they have – mirror image practice facilities for the men's and women's basketball that came about when they won their two championships. 
And I think it's just something I, you know, how does a, a, a kid that's a good local tennis player that wants to wins a county championship and wants to play tennis, try and, you know, play at Rutgers, there's no team. I don't think Rutgers invent Rutgers invented crew and they don't have a crew team. Lee, uh, yes, there are some concerns and have been for some years, and it sounds like you're pretty well versed in this. But at the the collegiate level, uh, when you get down to actual just finances and trying to balance the the facilities and scholarships that are afforded to men and women, yes, and the calculus is extraordinarily complicated. And I, I just don't feel um, that I can go into great detail on the show because, quite frankly, it would take a lot of time. But you're absolutely right. There is fallout from this because some of these big-time program schools you just mentioned, uh, for uh, for some reason, they're not allowed to. They don't have the ability to offer certain sports in order to balance what they are doing in terms of scholarships between men and women. Um, so I hear you loud and clear. That's a problem that's been around for a long, long time, and it's 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 troubling because you just said uh, you know the fact is some of these programs uh, you know these these, these uh, the big five uh, the power five in, in sports in college they seem to have unbelievably deep pockets but not so much when it comes to trying to offer all different sports uh, to all different, uh, both you know, men and to women. Lee, it is a problem. Um, and again, maybe things will change. And Lee, thank you for the call this morning. It, it, it may change as we move forward and we'll see how the NCAA, whether they still are around, have any power, they, if they survive. But clearly this has been a concern for some time um, and it's, it's, uh, it's troubling. Uh, and again, it's all because of Title IX and trying to do the right thing to offer both men and women uh, a level playing field in terms of scholarships uh, at, at Division One schools. Let's continue. Let's go to um, let's go to Jack Jack Smithland over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. Uh, now, Jack, I know you have two sons, uh, you and your wife Sue, but uh, clearly, I know you coach girls for women for a long time in, in high school and college sports. Oh yeah, we we coached. Uh, you know, I've been coaching women for over forty years now, and now I'm at the college level coaching women. But before I get started, I just want to repeat what uh, what uh, Dr. Rob said about Ed. This guy's a gem. Keep this guy. He is he is the best. He is the best. So, <laughs> um, yeah, seriously, I, I just want to go out and have a ginger ale with him. Here. He's, he's that kind of guy, you know. And but he's he's a good one. He's a real good one. So yeah, Ed. Ed, um, I've been blessed to having Ed, Ed work with on the early mornings on Sundays, and he is terrific. And uh, I'm glad you and Rob, uh, you know, are extolling his virtues because he's he's a real keeper. He, he's just terrifically talented. Yeah. He, he should have his own show, to tell you the truth. He has that voice. He has that, that sense of humor. But, um, you know, co- coaching women, yes. coaching. I've been coaching women for over 40 years. And you know what? Even after Title IX, there was still some of the, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff that you never really heard about. Um, you know, when it came to, you know, um, bad weather play where you had to go inside, it always seemed like the boys got their first priority for the gym. Um, you know, at one point at one of the schools where I coached, they, uh, they, you know, our, our budget was not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk, you know, when you, when you're talking about like that, you know, uh, it, it seemed like the, a lot of the boys teams got new uniforms every two or three years. We had to wait five, six, 
seven years to put in uniforms. And you know what? That's changed over over the years. But you know that that didn't that that didn't change as soon as Title IX took effect. You know, it still looked like you know the, there were many of the schools that had the good old boys. You know, the guys with the, the football coaches that were the ads that that you know that that looked at men's sports. You know, I remember the first time that we had a female umpire. In fact, last night I went to a minor league baseball game, and one of the umpires was female, which I think is fantastic. And to tell you the truth, she did a lot better than a lot of the men that I've had umpiring my game. So, you know, it, it, it's a point where, you know, it's still, no matter what we say, and it's, it, it, was the, it, it was a blessing when Title IX took effect. It was a blessing. And... um you know, right now, with, with the way things are going with Title IX, um, it, it's moving forward. Just listening to the golf show before your show with, um, I can't, Anne and, and uh, Liguori. Yes. You know, you know, they were talking about the, the purses in, in women's golf compared to, you know, 20, 30, 20 years ago, where, you know, a woman in the, in the U.S. Open won 200000 Now, today, it's $1.8 million. Is, goes to the winner, and that's amazing. And but the men are still up at two point four million, two point six million. So it's not there yet, but they're working towards it. You know, here's one of the other things that I don't understand. I've coached female athletes for such a long time, and these kids are world class athletes when they want to be. I would put mo- some of my softball teams up against any boys team that I ever coached. Physically, mentally, and emotionally. And, you know, when you talk about boys' baseball, they play nine innings, you know, sometimes. I mean, high school, I think, is still playing seven in some places. Mm -hmm. Girls always play. They started out by playing six innings, like Little League, and then moved it to seven. Why is women's tennis, you know, the best out of three, where men's is the best out of five? Do they think that the women aren't physically fit enough to to compete on a a five-set match? You know, I just, why are women's teeth more forward? Well, that's, we know that. They're yeah. not as strong yeah. physically. Conditioning-wise, they are. And I'll put them up against any male. I well, really will. And I think Title IX is fabulous. Jack, fabulous. I, I think we all feel the same way. And, yeah, you make some obviously very cogent observations uh, that this is still, in effect, 50 years later, still a work in progress. But we are making progress. And, again, um, yeah, I, I think this is all, it was just a great, great law that was passed you know 50 years ago hey jack thank you again for chiming in appreciate it as always let me go to uh, our next caller here at 877-337-6666 that being susan waldman from the new york yankees uh, radio broadcast team susan uh, a delight to talk to you uh, early on a sunday morning well rick i was driving down the Deegan, which is always a treat anyway even at 7 30 <laughs> in the morning and i'm listening to you talk about this old time basketball and you really didn't know it and just just in case everybody thinks that this is in the olden days maybe it is but i played that basketball that's when i grew up we had six girls on a side and i was a guard because i was a lousy shooter but i wasn't allowed to go past half court yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And I remember giving a, a talk to the St. John's women's basketball team a few years ago. They thought I was making it up. So in case anybody thinks that this is in the olden days, it's not. I played that basketball. And I remember I was just telling Eddie uh, when I called because I was laughing. I remember asking as a kid, 
why can't I go past half court? I can run track. Why can't I go past half court? Well, it wasn't that they thought we would get tired. They thought we couldn't do it for an entire whatever the quarter was. But in case anybody thinks that this is way back, it's not. No, Um, this is really that's. yeah, this is this is like you know, uh, you know, back uh, in in the sixties and into this the early seventies. And, and again, it was actually the sixties, right? And 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 you know, the the feeling was, as you just pointed out and attested to, Susan, was that uh, we didn't want, we didn't think the girls they would be uh, to be physically exhausted. They'd be they'd be overly exerted <laughs> by having to run the entire court like the boys did. So you you, you know, I don't. I don't know whether they thought Rick would be exhausted or we couldn't do it, which is even worse. <laughs> and that's the, but I remember, and in case any, so I thought I'd call and tell you that just in case <laughs> everybody thinks, you know, everybody's great grandmother, maybe in the 20s or 30s. No, it was not. Yeah. This was the 60s in Massachusetts. And, and, so and, that was, and I never, I never understood it then. I don't understand it now, but there wasn't five on the team. There were six, six girls, three guards, three forwards. And, and you and, could do, I think, two passes. You could move, you could do two dribbles, and then you had to pass it. And, but you couldn't, the guards could not go half. It's a real thing, and it wasn't that long ago. Susan, it's so kind of you to, to call this morning. I know you have a game you know, at eleven thirty. It's uh, yeah, unheard Dumbest of. Thing ever. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> right. but why, why have you? Obviously, you you were a, you know a long-standing pioneer of women in in baseball broadcasting, and you must be just absolutely delighted to see all of a sudden the last few years a you know opportunities. We have now a, a woman general manager of a major league team. We have co- women coaches in the minor leagues. I mean, this must be just uh, thrilling for you to see all this happening. Well, I, I guess, Rick, if you want to put it that way, because um, it is. Um, however, my first broadcast um, on television was in 1994, mm-hmm. and I'm still waiting for another woman to be full-time in the broadcast booth. So to me, it's really slow, and a lot of things now, I mean, it's changing, not for me. I mean, not, not um, fast enough for me. It's really nice that now, and we're in 2022, um, 1994 is a long time ago. Yes, it is. So it's yes, taken it all this time. I met Kim Ang in 1998. That's when I knew she was a superstar. And she just got her job last year. I mean, I guess it's progress. Well, it sure is. But you're not gonna, took, as you well know, years. you're not going to find a more conservative sport than, than Major League Baseball. So, yeah, I mean, they, they do make progress, but at a snail's pace. Uh, but clearly they are fortunately making some progress. And, uh, yeah. Well, it, 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 yeah, they are, of course. I mean, and, of course, when you're in the middle of it, it's um, – you know, you look back, and I it's five minutes ago when I started on WFAN, and I was getting spit at and um, told I couldn't do it and being made fun of. Um, you know, that, that doesn't go away. I love it that, um, you know, I look down on the sidelines, and there are women there, and there are women mm-hmm. doing specialized things, and, of course, more and more. And the other thing is not just getting there. You have to get there, and you have to be good at it. And I loved your caller that said that the uh, the female um, umpire that he saw last night <laughs> or yesterday was better than everybody else. And yeah. if you're female, you if you're female, you better be better than everybody else, yeah. or you're gone. And you. that's that's something that um, we all know is happening. But I just had to tell you because well, I was I, laughing I... my head off driving down this because <laughs> it's, it's not the olden days, folks. 
It's it was real in the '60s to me, or five minutes ago. <laughs> well, Susan, I'm glad. I'm so glad you you were listening. I'm so glad you took a moment to chime in and and to, and to call about that because yes, uh, people probably thought I was making this up, but no, it wasn't back in the 1900s. <laughs> you know, it was just uh, back in the '60s. So uh, thank- right, and we didn't wear little pantaloons. You know, we did not have uniforms. We did not have uniforms. You wore you know whatever shorts you had. Jeez. This is, yeah, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, th- All right, Rick. Thanks Great again. show, as always. And, Thank uh, you. Yeah, thanks, Susan. That, of course, is Susan Waldman, the, the, the longtime uh, radio uh, voice of the Yankees, and, and uh, just a delight to hear her chime in this morning. Um, so, yeah, there is some benefit to having a game at 1130 in the morning. We got Susan to call in about her own experience as a, a high school basketball player back in the 60s. All right, let me, let me take a timeout, uh, and, of course, when we come back, we'll take more of your calls and thoughts about all of Title IX. 877-337-6666. Okay, folks, uh, back here on the Sports Edge. You know, I was just uh, just talking about the, uh, the powerful and, and positive impact that Title IX has had on our, our kids and sports. And, um, yeah, I was, it was just wonderful to, to hear from Susan Waldman uh, talking about her own experiences pre-Title IX when she was in high school uh, growing up in Massachusetts and was referring to that old style of girls basketball which apparently you had uh, six girls on a team and and apparently some of the, the, the two or three of the guards weren't allowed to bring the ball up over the mid-stripe line, uh, mid-court line, um, I guess because they felt they didn't want the girls to overly exert themselves. But uh, And as Susan was saying, this was, this was, you know, high school boys basketball was, was obviously very much in vogue and a big deal, but girls basketball, not so much. In fact, she said, we didn't have, uh, you know, uniforms. We just basically wore whatever gym shorts we had and we played. It, it's... It, it, again, and she kept saying, this wasn't like back in the uh, the 1800s uh, or the turn of the century. Uh, you know, this was back 50 years ago, and that's how it was. And uh, for many of you who, who think that I'm making this up or it's just uh, a lot of hype or nonsense, no, that's how high school sports were like up until 1972. And as I also mentioned in that story about my, my daughter, Samantha, you still have to keep an eye on this stuff because sometimes these things still aren't being enforced the right way. And you uh, you got to make sure that everybody uh, in your local school district, uh, the school board, administrators, are making sure that Title IX is still the law of the land and every boy and girl is entitled to be able to compete uh, on an equal playing field. Let's uh, let's go back to our calls at 877-337-6666. Let's go over to Parsippany, New Jersey. Steve is standing by. Good morning, Steve. You're next up on The Fan. Hey, Dr. Rick, uh, I've never called before. I email you a bunch of times. But oh, I, sure. I, yes, uh, of course. First time calling. Your show's uh, great. It's really important, and I, I learned a ton listening, so I appreciate good. it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, actually kind of a good segue from Susan's call because uh, you have a lot of experience watching girls lacrosse. And uh, am I right in that girls lacrosse is, is like the only uh, girls counter to a men's or boys sport that it's a completely different game? And I, I do feel that the girls, like Jack said, they're physically, mentally, emotionally, um, you know, equal to boys on many levels and that they could handle the men's game. And it's almost like the girls lacrosse game currently is the way the girls basketball game was back in the day when Susan was talking about it, because they seem to it's, it's not that they're coddled. I mean, it's very competitive, very aggressive, but I really feel like girls can suit up and play the men's game. Well, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, Steve. Um, 
you know, for a number of years, uh, the, the ongoing debate with girls lacrosse is whether or not they should have to wear a, um, a protective helmet or, or some protective uh, device on their head to protect uh, from getting hit with a stick or with a ball, whatever it might be. Um, I seem to recall in the state of Florida, that protective uh, headgear is, is mandatory, but the rest of the country, and again, I could be very much wrong about this, I think it's still optional. Um, because let's face it, you know, the, the, there is, the girls are competitive. They do play uh, a very strong game uh, in terms of lacrosse, and there's always a potential for getting hit in the head and suffering a concussion, you know, from a, either a stick or, or a ball, whatever it might be, or just a collision with an opposing player. Um, as I, but I haven't said that. I have not heard, and I could be very much wrong, about trying to make the two sport, make the sport of lacrosse equal in terms of the same game for both boys and girls, in terms of the girls wearing pads, um, the, the rules being changed to match the boys. It, it's, I haven't heard that, Steve. Have you, have you heard that at all? Is that something you're aware of? Uh, I, I haven't heard it, but uh, you know, sometimes when I'm watching the girls' game, I just feel that the men's game is much more compelling. And I do believe that if a high school doesn't offer a girls' lacrosse program, a girl is allowed to join the boys' lacrosse team um, if there's yeah, not a comparable. I, I would think yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, um, I think that's correct. Much in the same way, if a girl wants to play high school baseball, um, even though there's a softball program uh, in place at the same school. Uh, to be, again, in compliance with Title IX. But it's all a question then of the girl, is she good enough to, to make uh, the boys' team uh, and the baseball team? Um, and that tends to be, you know, the big stepping stone as to whether or not that uh, she's good enough to compete and basically try out and, um, and make the squad. I have not heard, and I, again, it's very possible, as to whether or not any girls have tried to make a boys lacrosse team. But I wouldn't be surprised, as I said. I mean, we, we see so many changes now in terms of uh, youth and amateur sports. Uh, who knows what's going to happen next? Hey, Steve, thank, thank you for chiming in this morning. I appreciate it greatly. Let me move on to, uh, to Louie at Lindbrook. Hey, Lou, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. Hey, Rick, great talking to you. Yes, Lou. Maybe uh, I would like to talk about uh, the difference between girls lacrosse and boys lacrosse. I coach... I won uh, my team. I, I didn't win anything, but my teams have won several uh, section championships huh. uh, in boys in boys lacrosse. But I also coached several Long Island championships in girls lacrosse. Right now in girls lacrosse, their lacrosse stick doesn't have a pocket. Boys does. Oh, that's right. Of course, <laughs> yes. It's easier to carry the ball. That's correct. Sure. Right. It would be a completely different game if girls were to play in the boys' game. Yes. Uh, I'm telling you right now. Well, number yeah, one, yeah, yeah. there's no hitting in girls' lacrosse. Right. Number two, the girls don't wear a helmet. Right. The boys do. Number three, the, as I said before, the stick is a, is a big thing. Yes. Uh, the checking, uh, as far as checking goes, boys' lacrosse, it's vicious checking. It really is. Girls' lacrosse, there's a certain technique to use the checking. If you don't use the right technique, uh, to checking, you lose the ball and you give it over to the other team. So there are many differences. You can't 
put a girls team well into a boys game. No, I hear you. I mean, lacrosse to me, and there's always been some comparisons between lacrosse uh, being like ice hockey, but it's played on land uh, because there is serious checking in boys lacrosse. And yes, as you mentioned, the, you know, before the game, the refs get together and they check uh, the girls' sticks to make sure the cup uh, is not is appropriate and it's not too deep, all that stuff. But let me ask you this, Lou: Have you ever heard of any girl? Uh, trying out or playing on a boys lacrosse team? Well, I'll tell you this. I had I was the first coach to have a girl play on my men's side on my boys soccer team. And okay. that, that was in 1978. So I am familiar with, and she played goalie. I had a goalie, <laughs> a girl goalie play on a boys varsity soccer team. And but that was in '78. But and again, that's that is again that's after Title IX being passed. That was right. must have been unusual. But you haven't had any girls play on the or try out for a boys lacrosse team, correct? Most of the time, the girls try out for girls lacrosse. Yeah, they don't that, that's my players. sense as well. Because you yeah, know, what, boys yeah. is is. But again, I mean, uh, my son I've was playing. Happen, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I've seen it happen before. When I was in Suffolk, uh, I had a girl. Coach, a girl play on my JV team, so it does happen. Yeah, I'm it sure. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certain it does happen. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I remember my son John. He played a lot of ice hockey as a kid uh, and growing up through high school and the college. And I do very, very uh, recall. Uh, him playing with girls uh, in high school ho- uh, ice hockey and, and in travel teams. So clearly, and that was a rough and tough sport with checking and so on and so forth. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, as you said, to find out that there are some girls who are playing uh, boys lacrosse at the high school level. doesn't happen often, but I imagine it sure does. Yeah. I mean, you see girls playing uh, football. There have been numerous girls that have played football as far as uh, they were yeah. kickers for the uh, uh, football team. And then, yeah, yes, um, agreed, agreed. It, it, it does happen, and uh, it's more common than you think. You just don't see it. You probably see it in other areas. Yeah, and I think, uh, and Lou, thank you as always for, for sure, giving right. a call. And I think we're going to see more and more of this because, again, it, it's, it's, it's at a point now where boys and girls today have grown up with Title IX, and they don't see any issue with this at all, and, and we shouldn't either. It's as simple as that. But it took it took a major movement 50 years ago to at least get our girls and daughters a chance to play sports at a competitive level. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks to the ever-popular Ed Arzuman. Everybody loves Ed. <laughs> hey, Mark Malusis is up next. I'll see you next Sunday on Rick Wolf Sports Edge. Happy birthday, Trish. See you next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law.